You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual Chances are you've never heard of George Allen Wreckers. And chances are you really don't give one flying fuck about George Allen Wreckers' sex life. But but here's the funny thing. George Allen Wreckers cares very much about your sex life. He is the author of Shaping Your Child's Sexual Identity. He is also the co-founder of the Insanely Anti-Gay Family Research Council, a member of the National Association for Research and Therapy of Homosexuality, an organization known as NARTH, which claims that it can cure gay people. And Rutgers is also a member of the American College of Pediatrics, a fake pediatricians organization formed by the religious right to counter the reality-based American Academy of Pediatrics, which, of course, opposes curing gay people, argues for more support for gay youth and backs gay marriage and adoptions by gay couples, because not because they're just pro-gay nuts, but because they are pro-evidence, reality, science nuts. And the science shows that you can't cure gay people uh, and that uh, gay people are fine parents and that allowing gay people to marry doesn't destroy marriage for everyone. Can you guess where I'm going with this guy? Let's all pause for a moment to imagine... What comes next when we have this kind of preamble? The Miami New Times, a paper in Miami that I'm proud to say carries my column, ambushed George Allen Wreckers at Miami International Airport when he was coming back through customs after a 10-day trip to Europe with a male prostitute, with an escort that he hired from rentboy.com, that he admits he hired from rentboy.com. I'm going to read a little bit from the Miami New Times. The pictures on the Rent Boy profile show a shirtless young man with delicate features, guileless eyes, and sun-kissed, hairless skin. The profile touts his smooth, sweet, tight ass and perfectly built 8-inch cock uncut and explains that he is sensual, wild, up for anything as long as you pay him. George Allen Wreckers claims that he didn't know until halfway through his trip to Europe that the Rent Boy that he hired from RentBoy.com was a gay male escort and claims... And this is so fucking delicious. He claims that he hired the escort, Wreckers did, because he recently had surgery and I can't lift luggage. And he made this claim even though he was pushing the luggage cart through the airport, not the escort. If there's any justice in the world, lifting my luggage will enter the lexicon with hiking the Appalachian Trail... And I have a wide stance. Hey, honey, can you come upstairs and lift my luggage for me? My luggage is all on the floor. My luggage needs a lift. (laughs) I think in honor of George Allen Wreckers being exposed as a self-hating homosexual hypocrite, douchebag, piece of shit, asshole, motherfucker, liar, and a serial abuser of children and parents who he led to believe could shape their children's sexual identities when that is not possible. I know. I tried. Go home tonight and lift somebody's luggage, won't you? And just use that phrase to describe it. I want everyone listening to the podcast today or this week or ever to rush home and say to their partner, honey, your luggage looks like it needs lifting. I think lift your luggage is a new pack your fudge. 
Lift your luggage is the new bang your ass. Lift your luggage is the new whatever. Lift your luggage. I'm going to lift the shit out of my boyfriend's luggage when I get home tonight, and I want you to lift the shit out of yours too. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 60,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage today. This episode is brought to you by adamandeve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item, plus three adult DVDs, plus an extra gift, plus free shipping, visit adamandeve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Hey, Dan. Um, I'm moving in Seattle, and this past weekend, I stayed the night at my boyfriend's house and was woken up at 3 in the morning to his downstairs neighbor um, bickering um, and fighting with his boyfriend. This isn't the first time that I've been woken up by these sort of domestic um, struggles and initially I was pretty worried about uh, the situation in a whole. Um, later that same evening or early morning around 6 o'clock, um, I woke up or was awoken to some pretty angry gay fucking. And I'm uh, not only was I put out and angry that I wasn't able to sleep in and that his neighbors weren't more courteous, but I'm curious um, how to be a good neighbor and um, just approach uh, the neighbor in sort of a uh, proactive way with, I guess, without just being super um, inappropriate or invasive about his sort of um, choices. People fight, people fuck. Generally, people, couples, fight and fuck in their apartments. Or their houses, or their logging down houses, but people fight, people fuck, and people have a right to fight and argue and sometimes be loud in their own apartments, and then they have a right to, you know, a little noisy sex every once in a while. Part of being a considerate neighbor is not being so noisy all the time that you're disturbing your neighbors and being the selfish douchebag. Part of being a considerate neighbor is also every once in a while going, oh, they're having a fight, or oh, they're having noisy sex. If it's not incessant, if they don't do it constantly and all the time, People do get a pass every once in a while for when you're sharing a building, sharing a neighborhood, for disturbing your sleep a little bit. So I wouldn't even discuss this with them unless this is a pattern, an ongoing thing, unless they're very noisily lifting each other's luggage constantly and you are unable to sleep. Does this happen once a week? Does it happen once a month? Every six months? You know, if it happens every, you know, quarter. Once a quarter, you have to listen to an argument. You really don't have much to bitch about. If it happens every day, if it happens every weekend, if it happens once or twice a week, you should go bitch to them about it. But right now, I think uh, you have to give them a pass. One argument, loud argument, one loud session of makeup luggage lifting, they get a pass. Uh, hello, Dan. I'm an 18-year-old male, and uh, I was with my girlfriend last week, and uh, we started getting kinky, and uh, she ended up giving me a hand job, and I ejaculated on my stomach because I was laying on my back. And she was like, "Wow, you're that was a lot." And I it kind of got on my shirt, so I checked a little bit. I grabbed the end of my shirt, and yeah, it was pretty soaked, and it got on my fingertips. Well, about ten minutes later, I started uh, rubbing around her chest, and went ended up going into her pants. And now I'm afraid she might be knocked up, but uh, not really. I mean, it might have dried, or it probably dried 
from the rubbing before, and I did wipe uh, her pants, like, on the outside before I went in. But she's supposed to have her period right about now, so we don't know if the PMS symptoms are pregnancy or PMS. Uh, so I'm asking, like, how hard is it to get an abortion without your parents knowing if I have to? And when should we decide to get a pregnancy test? She had told me she's irregular, but I'm, uh, I don't know. I'm kind of, it's making me just a little bit worried. She said she's gone six months without a period before. So I don't know. I don't want to be in six months, like, scared to death that she's pregnant. But by then, you can probably tell. Um, so thanks. Uh, I really need your help. I don't even know where to begin. Uh, how do you get an abortion? She gets an abortion uh, at an abortion clinic through a women's health center probably. Uh, you can contact Planned Parenthood. Uh, how do you get it without your parents finding out about it? You don't ask them to pay for it if you live in a state that does not have parental notification laws. It ain't your parents who will be notified. It's her parents who will be notified if she attempts to go get an abortion um, in a state if you guys live in a state with parental notification laws. Just Google parental notification laws and you will see a list of states. Uh, and some places there's notification. A few, there has to be parental consent. Uh, in a couple of states, is one parent has to be notified, not both. In a couple, it's both. Just uh, Google it and you can find out that information. Um, if you're worried, if it's a money issue and how will your parents find out, then you just hit up your friends and you do a little collection plate. That's how it worked back in uh, my Catholic schools when I was in, uh, around your age. Setting all that aside, the chances that she's pregnant based on the activities you describe are infinitesimally small. Very, very slim. There have been instances where people did get pregnant finger fucking uh, or from having semen splashed on the outside uh, or on their vulvas and uh, it kind of seeped in or was introduced somehow through non-penetrative sex play. In future, uh, come somewhere else if you are this paranoid. Your other option uh, when the paranoia set in is uh, plan B, emergency contraception. If immediately after the fact you guys thought, holy shit, you had cum on your hands and you put your hand, you put your fingers in my vagina, what if I got pregnant? That is the moment to go to a pharmacy uh, and you can buy um, emergency contraception, plan B, over the counter. You just need proof of age. Uh, You do not need a prescription and you do not need your parents' permission. So you have options. Uh, In future, though, uh, please don't be such a moron. I I hate to put it like that. If you are ejaculating in the same room with someone uh, if you are engaged in what is, and you are 18, an adult sexual relationship, an intimate adult relationship, you do need to be a bit more educated about sex. And I'm not faulting you. You're probably the product of our horrifying sex education in this country. Perhaps you were subjected to sex, you know, to abstinence education, and you don't know uh, your ass from her hole in the ground, all right? Now is the time for you to educate yourself. I would encourage you to go to Scarlet Teen, Planned Parenthood's excellent resource for sexually active teenagers uh, and for teenagers who are choosing not to be sexually active but would like to be sexually informed in case they do choose to become sexually active. And also go to the Planned Parenthood website, PlannedParenthood.org. There's tons of great info there and resources, uh, not just for young people, for all people. But if you're going to be coming near, on, in, another human being – you need to be a little bit more informed. It'll make you a little calmer uh, and a little chiller than you are right now. So 
getting back to today's theme, before you lift each other's luggage again, I would encourage you to uh, get a little bit of an education, go get a pregnancy test if you're really worried about it, uh, plan B next time it happens if the paranoia sets in right away, and uh, you can also ejaculate over her shoulder next time, and don't get any on your hands, and be sure to wipe it all up before you get to the finger banging. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 60,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. One audiobook to consider is the one I'm downloading tonight, The Bedwetter, Stories of Courage, Redemption, and P. Sarah Silverman's new book, read by the author, sure to be high fucking hilarious. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage. That's audiblepodcast.com slash savage. Get Sarah Silverman's new book for free today. Hey, Dan. This is Nick. Um, I'm a 16-year-old gay guy. And I just had a question because when I'm around my boyfriend, um, like when we're making out or doing sexual things, I can't get hard. And um, I, I've had a boyfriend before. Uh, about a year and a half ago, and when I was with him, like, if he would touch me, I would pretty much get hard, like, that very second. And even now, I we do the same things. Um, I just can't seem to get there. Um, and I, I personally think my old boyfriend was actually kind of ugly, but, you know. Um, and my boyfriend now is sexy as hell. Like, I, I want to have sex with him all the time, and I can't because my dick don't get hard. You know, if you could help me. I don't really know. Still, I suggested getting Lou. I guess that might help. But if you could help me out, that would be great. I think you correctly diagnosed your problem. Previous boyfriend that you didn't have performance issues with, uh, you described, I believe, as ugly. And current boyfriend that you suddenly have performance issues with, unbelievably hot. Obviously, you're nervous. The stakes are higher. Um, you feel more self-conscious uh, about your looks compared to his looks. It, you know, you had all the power last time in the looks department uh, and were perhaps able to relax and just let your dick do what your dick wanted to do. And now you don't have as much power. And for some people, that's intimidating. There are like really good looking people out there who prefer to be with average looking people because they can either get off on the power imbalance that exists in that kind of a relationship or it just frees them not to think about themselves and their bodies and, you know, scrutinize them in the way somebody who's much more attractive might. Here's what you do. You remind yourself that you can have sex without a heart on. You just give yourself permission to do what you're doing right now, which is to be intimate but not be hard. Roll around a little bit. Tell your boyfriend what I just said. Tell them what basically you just said. Part of the reason you're having these anxiety issues around performance at 16, I hope your boyfriend isn't 28. I hope you guys are engaged in, you know, an age appropriate relationship and engaged in age appropriate sexual activities uh, with each other. Uh, just a caveat there. Tell your boyfriend that, you know, he's so good looking that it's made you nervous and it's chased off your dick for a while. And what that'll draw out of him if he is worthy of your time and affections is some reassuring words about you and how you look and why he's attracted to you that you and your dick probably need to hear. And once you hear those things, you may relax in time. You may relax. In the short run, though, you know, do what you're doing and give yourself permission to get wherever you get with your dick and take the pressure off. 
You can also back way the fuck up. If you are rushing into sex acts that are varsity and you still feel like you're on the JV squad, you can back up and say, let's just masturbate together. Let's leave our pants on and roll around and be intimate and enjoy each other and feel our hard-ons through our jeans and not uh, hurry things along too quickly. That could also be an issue. You are only six Teen. So maybe you've been pushing it a little too far, a little too fast, a little too quick, and you need to call a little time out and back way the fuck up with this guy who you're much more attracted to and much more into, and therefore, again, the stakes are much higher. So good luck. Hi, Dan. My name is Amanda. I'm a 31-year-old straight woman. Um, I recently, about two months ago, got involved with a 29-year-old man, and as of the first week we started dating, we laid down to each other that he was interested in polyamory and I am interested in monogamy, which we should have probably never continued to date after that. But we did. We are involved for about two months now and we are at the moment presently only dating each other and really enjoying each other, having a lot of fun, exploring each other sexually, etc. But it has come to the point where we are trying to dis- to figure out how to reconcile the fact that he, although he wants to be emotionally monogamous with me, um, wants to be physically polyamorous and I want to be both physically and emotionally monogamous with him. Um, Anyway, so during our discussion about the situation to which there seems to be no real resolution other than the simple conclusion that we're both fucked and probably should walk away from it right now, um, I asked him, what would Dan Savage say? So, And he said, what would Dan Savage say? And I said, Dan Savage is probably going to say we're fucked. Um, so we were trying to figure out how to and where it is appropriate, how to reconcile, how to compromise, how to reconcile the fact that he is interested in physical polyamory and I'm interested in uh, physical monogamy, but we like each other a lot and want to continue to be involved with each other emotionally, physically, sexually, etc. Any developments that I need to know about before I tell you whether you're fucked or not? Um, I don't know, Ethan, are there any developments that Dan Savage needs to know about before he tells us whether we're fucked or not? Um, I don't know. No, no development. Okay, uh, here I go. You're fucked, but not really. (laughs) But maybe you're not. But you probably are, but you won't be if you guys can do this amazing sort of thing that I should patent because it's my original idea. No one else has ever thought of it when it comes to relationships. Compromise. Are you still there? Are you laying on the floor? We're, we're still here. Did I knock you out? <laughs> no, we're Somebody's still here. Got, I mean, if you guys, often when people, you know, meet and fall in love, they will reassess and reconsider things they regarded as deal breakers or things that they weren't interested in. And for love, they will find themselves doing down the road something that, you know, at the outset of the relationship, they regard it as, you know, a thick line in the sand, like, so it's some, you know, a line they would never cross, a thing they would never do. I'm not saying, I'm not putting that on you, Amanda, that you have to compromise and, and do poly, necessarily. It could also fall on him, that he could compromise and do monogamy, which he didn't necessarily expect that he would want to do, or be able to do, or be capable of doing. But at some point, 
for this relationship to survive, you or he will have to lose. We'll have to give ground. You know, maybe we shouldn't call it a loss. Maybe we should call it an adjustment. But one of you will have to adjust what it is you thought you wanted and your expectations of a relationship based on your desire to be with the other. And if you can't do that, then indeed you are fucked. If neither of you can do that, then indeed you are fucked. But you should continue to date for a while because it's only that process of getting to know each other that will, you know, and really falling in love that forces people to say, all right, I love this person so much I need to really re-examine this issue, this thing that I thought was a deal breaker. Right. And you only know like six months, nine months in whether you want to do that for each other, and you'll only know six months, nine months in which one of you is going to adjust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But ultimately, somebody loses. You have what is, you know, an irreconcilable difference. You are sexually incompatible now, at this moment. But love is magic, and sometimes people who thought that they were sexually incompatible hammer out a new agreement, a new sort of uh, way of being, or, you know, trim their sails and lift luggage in a new way. Lift your luggage is the new sex uh, phrase of the day. You have to use that from now on. When you guys fuck each other, you can't say we're fucking. You have to say, I'm going to lift your luggage. I'm going to lift the shit out of your luggage. That's the catchphrase of the day. Fantastic. And then, you know, down the road, you can decide whether he gets to lift anyone else's luggage or, you know, you want to run out and lift other luggage, too. Or if he's never going to lift anyone's luggage but yours ever again. But really, kick that decision six months, nine months down the road. If either of you makes the compromise, don't assume it's going to be a lifelong compromise or loss, because you may find that the pendulum swings. Right. Okay? Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com for a limited time only. You'll get 50% off just about any item. And that's not all. There's more. You'll also receive three free adult DVDs plus a free extra gift plus free shipping on your entire order. Check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. That's adamandeve.com and enter Savage at checkout. Hi, Dan. Um, I am a 24-year-old gay man, and I have a question. Um, one of the first guys that I ever fooled around with um, was uncircumcised and had this goopy, white, goopery stuff that he pulled out of his foreskin because he'd obviously not been, clean, uh, been cleaning himself, and it was really super gross, and I didn't like it. Anyways, so, so now, a couple days ago, I was on a date, and it was going well. The guy came back to my place and started fooling around, and his penis, this foreskin didn't retract at all. And it's apparently just always been that way, and I've never encountered that, so I didn't really know what to do. And then I got really scared that the inside of it would be all full of those white, goobery, dink boogers that I had encountered before, and now I'm scared to even like go down on him because what if I suck out a, a dink goober? Um, am I crazy for being worried about that? And also, is this condition normal? Um, what what's going on? 
what's going on with his dick? He has phimosis, which is a condition where the foreskin doesn't retract. Uh, it can be treated. He can be circumcised, uh, although that's kind of a controversial thing to say to folks with phimosis. You can also um, treat it with steroids and topical creams and stretch it out and gradually uh, retract it. But he needs to speak to a urologist and not a sex columnist and not a panicky boyfriend afraid of white goobers. Your previous boyfriend sounds like he had a hygiene problem, obviously, and wasn't washing and so had lots of smegma, which is just dead skin and sweat and urine and it's gross um, but treatable with soap and water. If your current squeeze has phimosis, there may not be a bunch of white goobers under there because the foreskin may not have separated from the head. There may not be any space in there really. Uh, again, he needs to speak to a urologist and you are within your rights as a partner, as someone who's expected to put that dick in your mouth to express your concern to the person attached to that dick. You can say, I'm worried. You appear to have phimosis. You have an unretractable foreskin. In many men, that makes sex and makes erections painful and uncomfortable. Is that the case here? How are you doing? Do you have, you know, smegma leakage problems that I, as the person with this dick in my mouth, have a right to be forewarned of? Speak up. You have a right to speak up. You may be what causes him. You may be the catalyst that gets his ass finally to the urologist. A lot of people are embarrassed and ashamed of their sexual organs and their sexual agency. And he may be afraid of walking into a doctor's office and saying, there's a problem with my dick that's interfering with my enjoyment of my sex life, particularly being a gay guy. He may feel like that's not a legitimate concern to bring to a doctor because gay sex isn't seen as legitimate by a lot of doctors, by some people. You are going to be the little shove that gets him over that hump, that gets him to the doctor, that gets him talking to somebody about this problem. Open your mouth. Hi, Dan. Uh, I am a 29-year-old straight male who is trying to come to terms with the fact that being the person I am, I'm never going to get the sex I want. I'm just not someone who seems to be able to find someone who I can spend my life with. There's lots of reasons for it. Some of them I work on. Some of them are exactly the person I want to be, so they're always going to be an issue. And I just, I don't see this getting resolved. So I want to lower my sex drive. But I don't really have ways that I can do this. Um, I mean, you know, there's always that whole pray away shit some people do, but I'm an atheist. I don't really buy into any of that shit. I've heard that if a male takes a female birth control, I've been told this by several people, because I do try and talk to people about this uh, as vaguely as possible, because they all... Um, kind of react horribly if I'm too honest about it, but I've heard female birth control helps, but that just sounds like a really bad thing to do health-wise. To be honest, part of me, and I know this is stupid, so I'm not doing it, but I part of me really wants this, would like to be castrated, because that just seems like, oh, it seems like what I need, but I know that's just stupid. So I'm trying to think of a way that I can do this rationally. I'm trying to think of a rational, health-safe way to reduce my desire for the sex 
that is the that it's missing is quite frankly the only negative thing in my life. I have a prediction for you. Okay. Get yourself castrated, and the day after you will meet the woman of your dreams. Yeah. No. I I get not doing anything that permanent. Any any sort of like self mutilation is generally a bad idea. There's a finality to it uh, that you will one day regret. Yeah, no, like, that's that's why, like, you know, like, I've heard people say things like, uh, if men take sort of women's birth control, it has sort of uh, similar effects. Like, I've, I've heard all these What things. do you think is going to be easier for you to get a prescription for? Antidepressants, which have that same libido uh, obliterating effect, or female birth control pills? Yeah, well, the, the antidepressants is yeah. kind of a whole other issue. But Well, what's the other issue with the antidepressants? Um, I'm very... Um, a, the idea of doing anything that's going to affect my consciousness. Uh, whoa, whoa, wait, back up. The idea of taking antidepressants, you're just, like, opposed to the idea of that sort of thing. But female birth For me, yeah. and getting your nuts cut off, those you'll contemplate? Because my head I have no problem with. Right. My so dick is a problem. Well, your dick is a problem because, and there are a lot of guys out there in your shoes who are, you know, exist in a state of kind of perpetual frustration and it really does do damage to their quality of life. So you're not crazy, and your complaints, I think, are valid uh, because you you know your balls want something very specific that you can't provide them, right? You're not able to find whatever it is that your junk is calling out for. And it's the only thing wrong. Okay, and it's the only thing wrong. And you can talk. I do think that you should talk this out with a shrink, particularly if you're contemplating even in, you know, at your more despairing moments, self-mutilation. There have been instances where guys got super drunk and decided just to take that leap and slice their balls off. Contemplating that kind of thing means not that you're crazy or mentally ill, but that it might help to unpack this shit with a professional. There's no, there's no stigma there. And that professional might be able to help you find an antidepressant that has the effect that you would like, which is it leaves your brain pretty much alone, and it castrates you chemically and reversibly. Yeah, I, I've had people try and make me go to a therapist before. It's really something I personally like i understand i have friends who see therapists and it's great for them i totally respect it as a general thing for me my headspace is my favorite thing about me it's not something i ever want to have affected okay well that is something you can talk about with a therapist a therapist doesn't have some like magic ouija board uh truth serum um you know, they're not going to mumble some magic words that permanently re-scrambles your brain or changes your headspace forever. All therapists do is give you shit to think about. And they sometimes diagnose, and I would not react well to any kind well, of diagnosis. You, you know, you can say that to a therapist. I don't want to be diagnosed. I don't want this. I don't want that. In fact, I don't even want to talk to a therapist. Let's talk about that. But if I go in and start handcuffing a therapist, what's the point? Handcuffing a therapist? Handcuffing as in saying, I want you to, you know, do this stuff for me, but I don't want you to diagnose. I don't want you to do this. I don't want you to do that. If, well, you know. There's an amazing thing, and I'm not necessarily a proponent of therapy, and, and you know, shrinks, and there's a lot of bad ones out there, but there's an amazing thing about hiring a therapist. They work for you. 
And you can find one that you like. You can find one that just is somebody good to bat shit around with, who isn't trying to diagnose you, who isn't fucking with you in a way you don't want to be fucked with. And if one of them starts, you just don't go back. But you can find somebody who just will help you get the meds that may accomplish taking the edge off your sex life, which I think is a legit use of a pharma pharmaceutical product to take the edge off if it's making you crazy and really negatively impacting your quality of life. Help you can find a therapist who can get you that drug that isn't a female birth control pill or a bandsaw. Yeah. Improve your quality of life. But then also, you know, maybe help you see ways where you could make small improvements on your game to see if you can't bring the kind of woman into your life that your balls want, even while taking the edge off the ball so the you know the absence in the interim isn't so acute. Okay. Yep. Go see a shrink. They work for you. You can fire them the ones you don't like. You can shop around till you find one who is basically a buddy whose judgment you trust, that you pay a hundred bucks a pop to listen to you, to give you something to think about, and then gives you a prescription for meds. I just want a way I can do this on my own. There's no way. I don't think you can do it on your own. I mean, maybe you can find a way to prescribe or find a doc out there. No, but... Uh, do you have any but, like, there aren't sort of, like, techniques How people develop. How you get female birth control pills? Okay, well, no, it's, I'm not even thinking medically. Like, I'm thinking, like, are, are there just sort of, like, mental tricks? Like, are there things people do? Like, one thing I mentioned that doesn't work for me because I'm, athe- I'm an atheist is that I can't pray this shit away. And, you know, people try and do that, we're, but we're, I don't we're, have we're that. The missing piece in this conversation, which is I don't know what it is you're looking for, what it is you want that you can't find. Well, uh, okay, long the it's... I don't date. I've never had a girlfriend. I've never been in any kind of relationship because the people I meet, it just doesn't turn into romantic relationships. There's dozens of reasons behind that. And the the reason that I get frustrated, over, but the reason that I've been looking at this as an option is I think most of, I think the main reasons are things I don't want to change about me. All right, well, that's a choice, then, that you're making. And and that's why I'm looking for ways that... ...impediments are to any sort of romantic fulfillment, to to keep those, to to prioritize those over making the kind of adjustments and changes that everybody has to make. Everybody who's in a relationship has had to compromise on basic sort of bedrock issues, values, beliefs, to make having a relationship possible. Because the only way two people can tolerate each other is through that sort of self-negating, compromise, inching closer process. And you let go of certain things, and you do change certain things about yourself and your behaviors to accommodate, you know, and because it's worth it. And if you're you're not willing to even think about doing any of that, then that's also something you might want to talk to the shrink about. It depends on how badly you want to have a relationship. If you want a relationship so badly you're thinking about cutting your balls off, even just, you know, as an exercise, I think that you should contemplate making certain changes, whatever they might be, that could make having a relationship possible. It doesn't mean you're not the authentic person that you've always been. You've just made adjustments, as we all do. But, you know, I'm not your shrink, so I don't want to push you yeah, no, I... and make you react defensively or get mad. Oh, I'm not mad. I just want you to think about 
unpacking this at greater length with somebody who can help you. You know, oftentimes when I meet guys who are mid-20s, late-20s, who have been single or otherwise, you know, haven't really found a romantic partner, there can be glaring, obvious, small things that if they altered or changed or got on top of would help a lot. And I don't know you, and I can't tell you what those things are. But if you don't have friends who are willing to tell you what those things are, a good, tough, compassionate shrink can tell you what those things are and get you pills, get you the meds that you want in the meantime to take the edge off your balls without having to take your balls off your body. Yeah, although it's, I, I do have friends, and, like, I do, you know, talk to them about things in general. Though, um, a lot of the friends are people that I, you know, tried to meet romantically. Like, one of the big things is that I become the friend very quickly. Right, and the, you know what I would tell you as your friend, if I were your friend? Don't do that. Don't be friends with people who you want to fuck. But, see, I, and I've heard you give that advice before, and I totally disagree with that, just because if I passed up the friendships with the people in my life who You've been I was yeah if I had passed up those friendships I you know maybe I would have moved on to somebody who got laid but I would not I'm, I know I would not be as happy a person right now if I had let the fact that these people like wouldn't happy fuck a me person right now because I'm talking about the one thing that upsets okay, me okay well it, you, it, it, maybe you should pass on every other friend uh, that you wanted to fuck instead of collecting them all but you know one of the things you bring to the table when you're trying to establish a romantic relationship you know is your presence in someone's life and if you're attracted to somebody and they're attracted to you emotionally intellectually uh, perhaps even physically a little bit but they don't want to have a relationship with you for some reason and you're willing to let them have you in their life without the relationship that you wanted from them you're you're squandering all your leverage. You're you're throwing away your bargaining chips when it comes to the romantic game, and it is a game. And so then you say, well, you know, you are a really lovely person. Part of what I was attracted to was, you know, emotionally, intellectually. But I'm interested in an intimate romantic relationship with you, and you're not interested in that with me. So I hope we'll always be civil and polite and friendly. But you can't be that person's friend. Because it's going to make you crazy. So, risk losing. You start thinking about cutting your balls off if you do that all your life. Get a shrink. It doesn't mean you're a failure as a human being. It doesn't mean you're crazy. It doesn't mean anything. And if you get an aggressive shrink who wants to tell you you're bipolar, molested as a you know space alien infant child 3,000 years ago or some sub crazy fucking bullshit, fire that one and get one who you do trust their judgment and you like, and they can get you the prescription for uh, an antidepressant that doesn't mess with your head and just messes with your balls, and they're out there. All right? I'll think about it. I will. Okay. Think about that. Stop thinking about cutting your nuts off. Yeah, okay. Okay, bye. Hi, Dan. I just finished listening to episode 183, which I thought was a fabulous podcast. Um, and I had a few words of commiseration, I guess, for the vaginal virgin Christian slut. Um, I was also raised in a really fundamentalist Christian home and was also pretty sexually adventurous. And I have to say, I think maybe what she's afraid of is going to hell. 
And I know that that sounds like a stupid fear, but it took me years to get over my fear of going to hell. Even after I had decided that I didn't believe in the basic tenements of the religion anymore and that I thought the whole organized religion thing was kind of ridiculous, I would still find myself afraid of hell at the strangest times. And logically, I knew it was ridiculous, but it's an imaginary place, and I wasn't really going there, and fuck you, God, for inventing such a place anyway. But it, it had been beaten into me from such a young age that that's where I was going if I ever messed up. I was 28 or 29 before I finally stopped having those fears of ending up in hell. And so... I just want her to know that I understand what she's feeling and that someday it will get better. And then maybe one day she'll find herself in a conversation with one of her parents about sexual histories and find out that her super strict, very, very fundamentalist Christian parents also had some premarital sex like I found out. So good luck. You'll be okay. Enjoy the sex. Hey, I just wanted to leave a comment for the girl in episode 183 who uh, was a Christian girl deciding to save herself for marriage or not. And the one thing that I kept waiting for you to say, Dan, that that you never got to was that, uh, and what you said was great, but um, the one thing, if she wants to hold something, you know, back for the person that she marries that she's never given anybody else, um, how about the commitment to stay with that person for the rest of your life, the, the whole commitment of marriage thing. That's something that you've withheld from every other boy up until the one. And, you know, you're giving this person that commitment, which is pretty much the biggest thing you can give anybody ever. It's better than your pussy or anything that you could hold back. It's it's the commitment of yourself and your whole life. So I think that's a great thing to, to withhold until the right person comes along. Otherwise, have lots of sex. Hi, yeah, I'm calling about uh, episode 183. My wife was like the woman who said she wanted to wait for her virginity, or at least her, uh, you know, her hymen. And yeah, she also had the belief that it was a, it was something you should hold on to for your husband. Uh, but on the other hand, like the caller, she was also very much uh, sex friendly about what we did. So uh, yeah, it's possible to find somebody who you're compatible with in the bedroom. And we're now having very good. Uh, a very good time together. On the other hand, I think that holding your virginity that way for that long gets sort of like major expectations for the wedding day to a point where, well, I wouldn't mind replaying that night to do a much better and much smoother job of helping her through that situation. And also, I think it sort of knows, I guess, yeah, it's a nice idea to hold on to it. And as long as you know, you can still be sexually compatible and find out, but it's also something that really isn't that big of a thing to hold on to. And in fact, it might be better to get rid of it just so that way it's gone and that your husband, your future husband, will have a much nicer time on the wedding night. And you too, for that matter. Thank you all for your response calls and your advice. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to leave a question or a comment for a future show, please do include a phone number in case we want to give you a call back and yell at you personally. You download us every week at thestranger.com slash savage. I blog every day at slog.thestranger.com. 
Com. You read my column, Savage Love, every week in newspapers all across the country, including, I'm proud to say, the Miami New Times that broke the story about George Allen Wreckers. Yet another prominent, anti-gay, right-wing, Christian, bigot, cocksuck, pardon me, luggage lifter. According to his Facebook page, he enjoys playing the pipe organ. You really can't make this shit up. Once again, that number, 206-201-2720. Give us a call with a question or comment for next week. And me and the tech savvy at-risk youth will be back at you with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading. Now I want you to go out there and lift somebody's luggage for them.